Hey there, all marketing school listeners. It's Fab here, and I'm going to ask you whether you are ready to take your marketing prowess to the next level. If the answer is yes, then you are in luck because applications are open for our eight week all marketing school certification. This isn't just any certification, it's designed for the modern marketer, the ones just like you who are hungry to make a genuine difference. Picture this. You are armed with a bespoke marketing toolkit that saves you hours, allowing you to laser focus on building those invaluable relationships with your superfans. With us, marketing becomes more than just a task. It's human, impactful, and I dare to say it, fun. Let's bring back the joy, toss confetti in the air, and play your favorite hype song as you ace your campaigns. But why join us? Okay, let me break this down. We have proven processes and frameworks, so you can learn straight from industry leaders. You also will get your very own marketing operating systems and ready-to-use templates, a toolkit designed to bring you clarity and order into the marketing chaos. Plus, a private community and accountability groups to surround yourself with driven individuals all on the same journey. And for those craving direct feedback, we've got hot seat sessions and expert panels. So you can get insights on latest trends and also get personalized feedback on your assignments and work. So are you ready to make people absolutely fall head over heels for you and your work? All the details are laid out in our curriculum. To get it, simply head to amschool.click slash curriculum. That's amschool.click slash curriculums. The next chapter of your marketing story starts with us. See you in class. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello, squirrel friends, and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. It's Fab here founder and head teacher at Alt Marketing School. Welcome back. Today, I have one of our alumni students and certified awesome people with me, Dawn. So before I get too excited about this, let me tell you a bit more about Dawn in case you don't know her. So Dawn Morton Young helps corporates by coaching their diverse leaders, enabling them to better navigate the internal and external barriers, facing them in relation to their professional career and development. She combines immersive mindset techniques traditional coaching, as well as professional skills and mentoring to help client navigate bias, microaggressions, ableism, imposter syndrome, and generational and societal psychological imprints that impact minority leaders. She's encouraging them to set goals from a mindset of what is probable rather than just possible. She used a unique holistic approach combining collaborative coaching with neuro-linguistic programming and immersive techniques, including the Feel Your Vision technique. Dawn, hello. How did I do? I said <laughs> you did really well. <laughs> I feel like I said a lot of big words, some of which I know. Like and all those things. I'm amazing. <laughs> you are. Oh, there we go. That's setting the tone. Yes, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I know this has been a long time coming, and yeah, <laughs> we've made it. We've made it. <laughs> To be honest, every single time, so obviously 
Dawn was one of our certified uh, students from our first ever cohort. But every single time uh, you join for one workshop, one of the office hours, one of the chats, I'm always like, oh, I missed you so much. So genuinely, Dawn's energy, you're going to feel it through your eardrums. So get ready for it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Dawn, are you ready? I'm ready. For you. <laughs> okay. Starting with something that maybe I know the answers of, but let's see. Three questions. First icebreaker question is, what would be a trivia category you'd be really good at and why? R&B 90s music. <laughs> because I definitely grew up in that area. I, era, sorry. I love R&B and I'm a nearly 80s baby i'm 79 so just on the cusp of being an 80s baby um so yeah that would be my category i think i'd probably get them all right there isn't much i don't know about 90s r&b <laughs> i was expecting music to come into play so that's i'm really happy that i got that right now i'm gonna ask you a follow-up question before we jump into the next one what is then the one tune that will always get you on the dance floor the one tune if you were to pick one. Oh, God. I just, I literally cannot. <laughs> I cannot choose. But I'm going to say, because it came into my head, Thong Song by Cisco. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> very, very nice. I know it's hard because you, you probably think, you know, all the songs that you could choose and that's so when you get nice. paralysis. So I work the same. I'm like, it was the first one that came into my head. This is the one for today. Yeah. I love that. Excellent choice. Well, now I'm curious, actually, because my second question is all about going back into the past. Not necessarily 80s, probably a bit later, but we'll see because I want us to look back at your first job, Dom. What is the first job you've ever had and what did you learn from it? So the first job I ever had was as a cleaner and I um, was about 15. I don't know whether it was illegal then. I have no clue, but I, <laughs> I was cleaning through an agency and I used to clean the department for education offices. Now, I remember I used to get up at about, I don't know, three o'clock, four o'clock, get ready, take the bus into central London, clean the offices go in the loo, put on my school uniform, get on the tube, go to school. And I was doing my GCSE year at that time as well. So I guess what I learned from it is that you can, you know, if you want something, you might have to work, put in the effort to get it. I don't like to talk about working hard because I believe in working smart, but I think that there has to be an intention for you to get what you wanted to get. And I, I know that people have said, how did you, you know, go and clean early in the morning, go and do a full day at school, halfway the other side of London and, you know, come back in evening and do the whole thing the next day. And I think it was because I didn't want to be broke. <laughs> so that's it, really. I love also that you mentioned about which is something that I catch myself about, obviously, with, with thinking of working hard or like, you know, like having to work hard for things. And I guess, I mean, we're going to talk about it a bit in other elements, but I think sometimes we forget of how much we can be, some of these thoughts can be ingrained in us and some of these concepts and some of these ideas. And it's kind of catching on ourselves and being like, oh, okay, wait a second. 
so I love that you brought that up because we're going to talk about it later on and I think it's really interesting and yeah to be honest you're right like you know it's interesting to remind ourselves of how we can make things happen when we know what is our motivation which I think is really important which leads me to my final question of our little ice breaking questions I don't need to tell you Don you know they were all about getting people to market to hearts not to brains so impact is very important for us so my question to you is what does making a positive impact on your audience and your clients mean to you and why? I have, and maybe I'm going to sound a little bit woo here, but I've always believed or thought or felt that I'm here for a purpose and to make an impact in some way. And I've done, you know, even in my entrepreneurial life, even when I went into HR at the beginning of my career, it was all about people and impacting people. Um, And so I think for me, it means that it's kind of the support that I would have wanted coming up in my career that I'm able to give that to others and seeing other people's lives change. And I, 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 I honestly do believe that the more people that are happy and fulfilled in their lives is that that energy kind of goes around to all of us, right? So if I make an impact, if I'm able to help somebody to see their lives in a more positive way or to make more positive steps in their lives, then that energy eventually is going to come back to me. So, it, you know, it makes... a a huge difference that, you know, we're helping, I'm helping people who may not have been afforded that support before to have that buffer. Does that make sense? So, yeah. I love that. And it 100% does make sense. And actually it makes me think about like all the different stages, obviously a big, a big core of what you do and your purpose and the way you support people is within the steps of leadership as well. And actually embracing that and be part of that conversation. And I love that you mentioned like being able to give the support that you wish you had at the beginning of your career, because I was thinking, obviously we will explore and it's great to talk about leadership first, but I also feel there is a really important stage, which is the beginning stages you know, the hiring stages and the inner bias that might even come up at that beginning of the career for so many people. And just because I know it's one of the big things that you know and recognize and support people with, can you actually share some example with us? And then obviously maybe we can look at ways that we can support managers change that as well. But what are some examples, especially at the beginning of a career in the hiring stages, what are some of the things that you know clients have experienced or maybe you have experienced that you can provide as examples? I think that um, bias is a funny one, isn't it, really? So, you know, we all have biases, all of us, whether or not we want to admit it or not, we have some sort of bias. We will look at someone or maybe even look at a situation and think that what happens in our subconscious is that our subconscious always looks for patterns. So if it thinks it's seen something before, then it will say, oh, well, that happens with this particular scenario. So for example, um, I walked in somewhere yesterday and obviously at the moment I've got my hair, I guess quite festively. Um, I went to Notting Hill Carnival on the weekend and I had, I was coming from a rehearsal. And so I had a, I had a cap on, had my hair on, had like, you know, like trainers and all the rest of it. And I've walked into this networking thing and everyone kind of looked at me and looked away. And it was, and it was, I went and then introduced myself and said, oh, hi, I'm Dawn. And it was like, oh, Dawn. And you could see the surprise on their face because the way that I appeared 
didn't look like somebody that would be coming to maybe a business networking, even though it was more of a social occasion. Um, and we were explicitly told, wear your own style. And I'm like, I'm really comfortable in a cap and trainer. So that's how I'm going to come. Um, so, but we all have biases, right? So the, the issue that we have is that people in general, they like to spend time with people that are like them. That's just a normal, you know, it's the same way that the majority of my friends are black. And it's not because I've sought out black people, but it's because our shared experiences and what we have that makes us alike, you feel safer within the company of people that kind of know you or share your experiences. So this can sometimes happen in the hiring um, the hiring process. So, you know, you go in for an interview and the person that's interviewing you, they might ask, you, you know, how far have you come from? And if you say, oh, you know, like I would say, oh, I live in Hertfordshire. And they're like, oh, I live in Hertfordshire. What part of Hertfordshire do you live in? You start to find those synergies of things. And then you might mention something else, like perhaps you worked in an organisation where they have worked or you use the same kind of technique in the type of work that you do. Anything that provides a synergy, it's not just about looks, can provide you with a bias. So an example of that may be um, I, when I did my project management qualification, I did Prince 2. And there are said to be like two schools, isn't it? You've got the kind of association of, of, of project management, the APM people, and you've got the Prince 2 people. And if I go into an interview and they say, what's your project management qualification? And I say Prince 2, and they've done Prince 2, all of a sudden I'm a great project management manager because they can see the synergy between what they've done. So that's just to kind of give you a few different, and then you have the more blatant biases, like, you know, you might see someone, hear someone with a certain accent and you're wondering whether or not they're going to be able to do customer services, or you hear, see somebody dressed in a certain way or someone from a certain color or background, or you see a woman and she's coming in to be, a, I don't know, a laborer or construction worker, and people form those opinions. And I think in terms of solutions, which you haven't asked me about, but the solutions of, of that for me, and I'd say in a lot of the talks that I give on this subject, is around awareness. Because as soon as you're aware that you have the capacity to have these biases, you will be double asking and second guessing yourself when you're making those decisions within the hiring process. And I think for people that may be experiencing the bias, maybe they've been hired and they've come into an organisation and they feel like people might view them a certain way. My advice would just be is to be yourself, because the only how anybody can get used to something new is by having that experience of that something new. So by you being your authentic self, although they're not used to it, although they may not think that a computer programmer should have, I don't know, dreadlocks, you working in that job, being yourself, doing the computer programming, then changes that bias because they now know that people with dreadlocks can do computer programming. So that would be my advice. I don't know if that was the answer that you was looking for. It was a bit long-winded, but yeah. I love it because you give me the answer and then you were like, I'm going to give her the solution because I was going to ask actually about that, which is excellent. And the reason why I love that too is because awareness is kind of like one of those things that us coaches do sometimes. Awareness is the starting point of so many practical action steps, I find, because without the awareness, it's almost we don't understand the, the reasoning. And I think yeah. there's a lot more, I mean, I'm preaching to the converted here, but the listener might need to remind ourselves that when we empower ourselves to understand, 
our behaviors better, then obviously we can change them in a more, I find like lasting way. Um, but you know what's funny, Don? I'm um, amplified a conversation and added my story to a conversation from somebody on LinkedIn talking about professional headshots. And this is a different example, but I want to bring that into the bias element because what was interesting was I was talking about my experience with my tattoos because I don't talk about them, but the reason why I have a lot of them is because of my mental health history. So that's how they started. So for me, it's a part of who I am. And it was interesting when I was sharing my experience ages ago when I was talking to somebody as a manager and they were like, oh, actually, you you really know your stuff, you know, with, with the tattoos, I wasn't expecting, you know, like for you to have this level of experience. And I was like, wait a second, what do you mean? And it was really interesting because it really reminds me of some of the examples that you brought. And what I love about the fact that I shared my experience is there's so many comments with people having different, wildly different experiences and saying, it's so refreshing to be able to be considered a professional regardless of how you express yourself as an individual. So it gives me goosebumps. And so I love that you mentioned this because it's a reminder of all the different ways. And I love your practical takeaway for the employee or the new person that goes into a job interview. Be like, be your unique self and let your experience, your knowledge, your passion shine. And I think once we can both sides make it a more conscious effort, I think a lot of things will change. Slightly sidetracked us here, but I wanted to say that I love this. It's so important. And I've seen how many people have had similar experiences with this as well. I, I, lo- I love that about you with the tattoo story, because I, I have two tattoos as well. And I have people that kind of look at me like, you know, so, yeah, I, I hear that 100 percent. Marketing, I find, is it's more kind of seen as OK, because marketing is such a like people... Uh, focused it's almost like a quirky type area of work isn't it people that think outside the box do well in marketing and that's the thing though I think is is almost like a reminder of of some of these things how they change actually how they shift and and yeah you I agree I think it's interesting to hear from different positions and different jobs and almost going into like the next stages of the conversation is then as you are progressing as well and looking at more leadership positions, we're going to go back into a bit of the initial conversation we were having. Can you think about some of the core barriers that might come up then when it comes to you know, leadership and diversity? We talked about biases. Now we're going into other barriers that might come up. Can you think of a few more that might be the ones that you've seen or heard also from your clients? So I think that in general, the society and tradition is a, a big barrier to diversity at leadership level. I, you know, we've got, as we said about things such as bias, etc. but there's also um, what I call self-sabotage, but actually it's really around the kind of the mindset. And I know that we're probably going to speak about this later on, but there are ways that as diverse leaders, we self-sabotage ourselves um, just because we don't think that we can attain it. And that's mostly due to the other factors, the society factors, the traditional factors, the misogyny that we have, the kind of racism, discrimination, um, you know, ageism, all of those things come in to cause, cause issues with having that disparity that we have at leadership level being, it's about people maybe not seeing 
people with difference as leaders and those people with difference not seeing themselves as leaders. And then there's also, you know, socioeconomic barriers where, you know, where people came from, the opportunities that they had as people from diverse backgrounds when they were coming up through the ranks. Can you share some examples then? That's that's kind of where I think going into a bit of the nitty gritty, I think it will be really, really interesting. Because as you said, a lot of these are so ingrained and maybe people don't recognize them. And so bringing them into that awareness piece again could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, you know, like, for example, so this is something that I always say to people when I talk about the coaching that I do and, you know, why do we need um, a diverse leaders coach? You know, what's the difference? Why could they not just go to a normal, a, a, a general executive coach? And I think that because what isn't being, it's like an elephant in the room, isn't it, really? There are a lot of things that we as underrepresented, as I call them, leaders have gone through generationally and in our everyday life that we don't necessarily speak about. A, because it may feel as if, oh, it's just us complaining again, oh, the woman's complaining again, or the black person's complaining again, or, you know, whatever it is. And also because we're kind of taught to just suck it up and get on with it and just work through it type thing. Um, And so, like, one of the examples that I always give is that when I was growing up, I was always told, and there's so many people I know that were told the same thing, oh, you're going to have to work 10 times harder than a white person to be able to get to the same place. You know, um, so that is something that was ringing in my ears growing up. And, you know, I got to a stage where I was rebellious and I was like, I don't want to work harder. So I'm just not going to do anything. If I, you know, if I, if, if, if you've got in your head that you cannot get further than this person unless you work 10 times harder than them and you're at a point where you think you're already, you know, working up to speed, the same as the other person, I don't want to work 10 times harder. So I'm just not going to do it. Whatever the job is that I'm able to get, I'm going to settle with that because unless I am this outstanding you know, five A star person, I'm not going to get past them anyway. And we, although we might have examples that are in front of us that show us something different to those ideas, it's something that is so ingrained in us and has been ingrained from generations. And, you know, I could talk for ages about, I guess, the those people like myself who are descendants of slavery and the generational trauma and all of those things that have come down for hundreds of years now that affects us in our day-to-day lives but you know another example is um women you know generationally throughout history even if we look at the bible women must keep silent women should you know we should be behind our husbands or our partners and we should be you know what's the word i'm looking for demure and you know elegant and you know not and so what we're finding is is that women are now realizing or becoming aware that what it means is in the workplace they don't speak when they should they don't speak out. They are, you know, they think that they're supposed to be wait, they wait to be asked a question and not just, you know, be open with it. And so those things are ways that mindsets that we don't even realize we have. Because if you ask the average woman, do you speak up for yourself? They would say yes. But there are certain situations where we do notice that we pull back and we don't ask for what we want. 
You know, when you were sharing the example of women in the workplace, I remembered uh, somebody saying, you know, actually, I think it was in a TV series or something like, at like a lady. And it was what, like, it was, I think it was actually in an office. And I was just like, you know, sometimes you hear these things, and as you say, you just kind of don't process it. But I was next to my husband, and I was like, they said that. Act like, wh- why would you say act like a lady? And as you say, sometimes some of these things you actually are so ingrained, you don't think about it. It's like, yeah, we're supposed to act like ladies. How should a lady look like? And then you kind of do all of that processing. And it goes back to what you said is the awareness piece. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a bit deeper onto this. So there's awareness piece as us as individuals that actually are trying to slightly change those patterns. But I'm going to ask you, I'm not a mother, I'm going to say that. So I, I don't have children as per yet. But do you feel also that as parents, we can have an impact on the younger or parents or even just leaders ourselves? Can we have an impact on younger generations? I'm not saying that obviously people cannot do it on their own, but I'm finding can we actually amplify and support this conversation to change and that awareness to younger generations as well and I think a hundred percent definitely and um as you know I've got four daughters of my own um ranging in age so I've got two one about to a second one about to start university now and you know for me first of all I think that examples are the best thing so just your life example by living in the way that you do, um, I think that that definitely impacts the younger generation. But I also think it is as about letting them know that you can do what you want to do. But I think that the key, one of the key things is letting them know that bias, microaggressions, discrimination, all of these things exist. And it's something that they can encounter, but that it's wrong. It's not helpful. I think by keeping these elephants in the room and not talking to our young people about these things that they could encounter, they can be blindsided by that. I think it's it's kind of like, for example, if if I know I'm going to Antarctica and it's going to be freezing cold, I'm prepared. When the cold hits me, I'm not going to go, oh my God, it's freezing cold because I knew it was going to be freezing cold before I arrived. And so it doesn't seem to assault me as much. I'm not going to be as upset about it. Um, And I think it's kind of the same. I think that we need to explain to young people that these things are out there and that our society is evolving and that we have come a long way. It's not as bad as it used to be, but there will still be or there may still be instances where they will find that. And and one of the things that I do is I work with um, Blueprint for All, which is a charity. They're formerly the Stephen Lawrence Trust. Um, And we go into schools and I do workshops with them on kind of goal setting, mindset, how to have what they want, how to plan for what their next stages are. Um, And I find that they're all very receptive and they're receptive even more so when they can see the example in your life of being able to, you know, make those achievements, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. They do say lead by example, I think, for a reason as well. So I, I, I totally understand that. And thank you for sharing, just because I love what you were mentioning, but it also made me feel like younger generations, you know, they we can actually teach and share so much. And, and like stories, to be honest, stories is what we remember the most, isn't it? And as you say, stories is what we can relate to as well. So I love that you mentioned that as well. Now I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a bit into the targeted action again. I was wondering, especially as we're developing 
you know, if a company, if an organization is starting to develop a leadership path for their team and actually they want to make sure that everybody feels supported within that, what are some of the targeted actions to improve that career development, especially to support minority leaders within the team? I'm asking that just because I also feel that, which is not an excuse, I want to say, but I feel that sometimes we tend to forget that the small actions can have a big impact and they can build from that. So it's kind of like if somebody wanted to start and they felt they're not really doing it, what would be some of the first steps that people could take? Yeah, so I would say in terms of action, I think it's really about the culture of the organisation and when the culture is built. So from a leadership level, from board level, what is it that you want your organisation to look like? What is the message that you want your employees to know about you as an organisation? And I think that once you've kind of got that strategy or you've got that headline or that mission, that you can then start to break that down. I also think that there's something around looking at what the issues are that people are facing on the ground. So people will do like a yearly survey or something. And I think that, you know, what's happened since the pandemic is that people are realising that they need to be in touch with their uh, employees more regular than once a year. And I think, you know, if it's a survey, if it's not that you've, you've provided kind of spaces for people to talk and communicate about what is going on for them so that you can address those things... I think it's about um, showing that you are inclusive on your internal, you know, your intranet and all of those things. What images are we showing of people? What are we, who have you got in terms of, are there any disabled people in your organisation and what are you doing to champion them? Are you recognising days such as, you know, like um, Disability Awareness Month, those sorts of things? Are those things that you're recognising? Are you actually taking stock and looking at the numbers so if for example at leadership level you've only got three percent of people from diverse what are you what is your aim have you got a specific number be specific about the change that you want to make in the organization as well so I would say that I think it's definitely just keeping in communication with your people making sure that you address things there and then and again leading by example leading from the top with the sorts of things that you get involved with, how you're portraying your organisation, etc. And I, I also think it's about speaking about the issue loudly and not trying to be quiet about it, but I'm trying to make change, but I'm not saying there's a problem, but I'm trying to make change. So, for example, I've had several times when I, when I was working, you know, for somebody else where they'd come and they'd ask me to lead on some sort of diversity initiative or to champion something that was something to do with black people. And I'd be like, why are you choosing me? Like, what's, why? (laughs) And, you know, but we didn't know that they could see that there was an issue with ethnic diversity and that therefore that is why they needed the support to move on. I think it's about talking about the problem. Be open about the problem. People will respect you for that more than anything else as well. Your employees will respect you for that more than anything else. That's such a big... A simple but big takeaway, actually being open about the problem and be open to have a conversation. Because as you said, I think we have to remember something that I say in marketing, which probably don't would know anyway, which is, you know, 
treat your consumer as somebody who's very savvy and they see things similar to your team, your employees, just because you're not talking about it, it doesn't mean that we cannot see the issues that might be arising. And I love that, that, because I think that's the starting point, as you say, for all the other practical tips and ideas that you gave us. And I'm just, just as my final piece before our quick fire, even if I could, could let you talk for hours about this, but I want to go into the communication piece again, especially with the pandemic, you know, talking about, we do talk about the bias, we did talk about other imprints, but I also believe that it's important to remind ourselves of the importance of communication around balance. We talked about more working hard and working smarter, but also, you know, like boundaries and the well-being of the team, because that is also very, very important. So as a whole, how can we take also these aspects into account? to truly make that development, leadership and opportunities more inclusive. Finishing with a bang. So <laughs> well-being is like my baby <laughs> um, because I think that there is um, a lot to be, we spend the majority of our time at work regardless and I don't think it's like when we look at children they spend the majority of their time at school and so the environment that we're in in these places that are really what are housed they're really housing us I think that well-being in those spaces is paramount so where you're talking about working hard or in the pandemic we kind of had a space where there was no beginning or end to work so, you know, we were at home, we were working, we, you know, there's lots of statistics that talk about how people were working more during the pandemic than they normally did. You've also got this whole piece about as people that come from diverse backgrounds, the competition, and we spoke about that earlier, where we think we have to work twice as hard, 10 times as hard, the competition that we have in our own brain for executing or working more so that people don't think that we're being lazy or you know whatever it is that we think the stereotype is about us um and so I think when it comes to well-being um what we all hopefully have learned during this, this pandemic is that first of all we need spaces to be able to talk and express we need rest we need to be in, in an environment that allows us to be ourselves and all of those things going to help towards our mental well-being within the workplace and so that we can feel included within the workplace. Um, and I, I think that for for organisations, there is a little bit of work to do around making sure that it's fit for purpose to the individual. So there's no point in just throwing a load of, oh, here, do some meditations. We've got you a meditation app and everybody can go off and do meditation because that might not be what is my, mine might be going to the gym. Another person's, you know, the way that they would like to have well-being is to sit and have a chat with a cup of coffee with, with a group of people. You know, there are different ways that people are able to release their own mental stresses and all the rest of it. And I think as with all of this stuff, it's about really getting to know, getting to know your employees, getting to know what they need. But well-being is definitely and it should be something that is paramount now for all organisations, because we all sat and, you know, 
sat on Zooms and saw people with their kids running around in the background. People lost loved ones. People's loved ones were sick. There's been a lot of stress and tension. We're now into this space where they're talking about this whole cost of living crisis and all of that kind of thing. So this ongoing care for employees as a whole should be taken into account. And, you know, for it is difficult for organisations because as well as running your business, you're now being a caretaker even more so of a caretaker for your employees. And so it is kind of difficult, but without your employees, do you have a business? So, you know, it's about uh, measuring and balancing as well how much um, input, research, all of that that you do to make sure that your employees are taken care of. You know what's really interesting, and I love that you mentioned like throwing meditation as a solution at people. It made me think about again, talking about LinkedIn, it sounds like that's all I'm spending my time. I swear it's not, but obviously with social media, one of my hats, I guess. But there was this LinkedIn post where somebody was sharing, it's a small company, but they were sharing how they used to have this perks at work scheme with a company. So they would offer loads of options. And what they did instead, they were talking about this simple change where they actually asked their small team what they wanted. How can we invest this money to actually create solutions that can help you? And then based on that, they all, I don't remember all the options, but I think they did offer things like some extra paid um, holidays. They offered like paid lunches or something like that and other opportunities to allow them, the team, to actually fit that within that. And as you say, it is work. We're not lying. It is work. But I think it's retention of your talent and growing your talent is one of the most important things. I know, I know it myself at a very small level, working with very few people right now. But how important it is. So I love that you mentioned that because I think it's something that we need to remember. It, it does take a bit of time, but setting up those internal systems that you mentioned earlier, looking and being open about these problems and trying to find solutions for that and being a bit more tailored in it, I think it will reward you tenfold instead of just yeah. ticking boxes. I mean, I'm being, I mean, I'm being a bit crass here, but that's what it feels sometimes. Like tick, yeah. tick, tick, tick it's, the box. It is, and, that's exactly a tick box. And they don't really understand what they're doing. They just know that, oh, well, they said that we've got to hit these diversity targets. So we're just going to do this without understanding the impact. Done. I have a few final quick fire questions. We ready? Quick fire. Awesome. It's quick fire. So the first quick fire is, what is one tool, this is a bit of a hard one, that you discovered and started using after taking the old marketing school certification? Can you think of one tool, one website, one thing that you discovered from the certification? Convert kit. You yeah. join it? So I use that it, now to right? build my email list, send out my sequences. I had a masterclass the other day, so directed people through to that masterclass and all of that. So yeah, I have been using convert convert kit. Oh, you know what I also used? Bonjour, bonjour. Remember, I kept going on and on about that. I can't Yay! wait to use Bonjoro. Yeah, I use Bonjoro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do like to throw a lot, a lot of tools. But yeah, Do and I were having a conversation about email marketing and I recommended ConvertKit. I'm really happy that you're using it. Amazing. Okay, these are two excellent tools. So, yay. Now, I'm going to go out for 180 and ask you, actually, what is the last picture that you took on your phone, Dawn? What is it about? I think I screenshotted something rude today. 
Oh, no. The last picture. <laughs> oh, no, no. The last picture I took on my phone was because I went to work out today. I don't know if you can see. I went to work out today and my app told me that I lifted one elephant in my workout. <laughs> I love it. There's a picture of an elephant. That's a great one. That's really cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, well done. Well done then. I Thank love that. And um, now what is currently your favorite social media platform to hang out on and why, if any? Okay, so I as me, I hang out on Instagram <laughs> um, for my business, 100% LinkedIn. I'm only just starting to grow my other platforms. But if it's just for me, I would say Instagram, even Facebook for interaction. Oh, nice. Can you remember the the last person that you either followed or you kind of started interacting with a bit more, either on LinkedIn if you want to look at business maybe, or Instagram if you want to be more personal? I'll let you choose. Oh, um, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, it was probably LinkedIn and it might have been last night. I went out to the wonderful Diversity X's uh, social networking, social thing last night. And I followed a few people there, connected with a few people there. Wonderful. Massive shout out to so Kevin. Do gooders in the do gooding space. Yeah. Shoot shout out, Kevin. <laughs> Hi, Kevin, if you're listening. Um, context for the listener, we're not going crazy. Kevin is another one of our alumni students who will definitely be in the podcast at some point. So we're just saying hi. Anyways, final question for you before we send hi to everyone. Um, <laughs> so based, based on the experience that you've had and what you've learned with us about marketing. What would be one piece of advice for students that just finished our certification and are looking at the next step? What would be the piece of marketing advice that you learned that you are still using today? I would say consistency. So whatever it is that you're going to do. So for me, it was posting five days a week on LinkedIn. That was my, and I was really consistent with that for about three months. I haven't been consistent in the last month, but I'm coming back, guys. I'm coming back. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely say consistency because it's about building your brand is kind of the first thing. And it will, it might happen before the money happens. It might happen before the, you know, the client lists happen and all of that. But as long as you're being consistent about you and showing up, Showing up in your business, you know, on a consistent basis. It doesn't have to be five days a week. It could be three days a week, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah, I would say that's the first thing as the next step. Pick something that you're going to do to build your brand and be consistent. Love that. And I love that you you followed one of our piece of advice, which is really make frequency work for you. And uh, Thank you for sharing that again, because I think that's where some people get stuck. Five days work for you for somebody else it might be free so absolutely love that yeah. don thank you thank you for being with You're us welcome. today it's always a pleasure <laughs> listen and make sure that you say thank you to dawn as well so we'll now she will tell us where to find more about her so make sure that you say hi and thank you dawn i shall leave you the stage before we're off remind us where can we find out more about you so my website is dawnmortonyoung.com 
Yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, or I'm on LinkedIn as Dawn Morton Young, or you can look for the Diverse Leaders Coach, which is my business page, and you can follow that. But everything, most things are on the website. Um, would love for you to sign up to my newsletter, which has got lots of diversity filled bits and pieces. So, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Head to allsmortgagingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Alt Marketing School. Until next time.